Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to set up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. The scripture that was read just a few moments ago from the the book of Matthew says, As Jesus passed on, two blind men followed Him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, Son of David. When He entered the house, the blind men came to Him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to Him, Yes, Lord. Then He touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith... Be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all that district. This story this morning, or this event this morning, is one that we'll be focused on. And there's a question that's asked in the middle of this encounter. Jesus asked these two blind men... Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? That's a question that I want you to envision that you have been asked this morning. Do you believe that God is able to do what God says that He can do? Do you believe? Now, you may initially hear that question and think, why would I be here? If I didn't believe, obviously I believe. But I think there's a deeper answer that we must give to this question than just a simple yes or a simple no. There's three parts that I want us to look at uh, this morning when we ask ourselves, do we truly believe that Christ can do what He set out to do? I'm going to tell you a, a quick story about this aspect, and I may have told this before, and if I have, I apologize, but Emma Ann and I had, had just recently been married, and, and we were scheduled to go to the eye doctor. And upon arriving at the eye doctor, we were getting new glasses that day. Well, neither one of us can see without our glasses or our contacts in. Um, she is much worse than I am, but neither one of us can see. So we are in the lobby area or whatever that area is called of the eye doctor and we are trying to find a new pair of glasses for each of us but we can't see anything and so we're about two feet or however far that is from each other's face trying to see the best we can and so it took forever for the the nurse to come back and and get us and and let us know that we were finished and and she finally came up and she said, I apologize. She said, y'all have been ready for about five minutes. But she said, we have had the best time watching y'all try to do this. Uh, so we gave humor to, to some individuals that day. So to, to not be able to see makes sense. I know many of you wear glasses or wear contacts. And uh, you know that feeling first thing in the morning if you wear glasses. You wake up and, and, and you want to get up and, and maybe get a drink of water or, or, or brush your teeth or whatever you do first thing in the morning. But as soon as you roll over it and you get out of bed, until you put your glasses on, there's very little that you can do if you have trouble seeing enough that those glasses are are that important to you. 
And so you know what it's like to be in that situation. Uh, there have been times when I've been wearing contacts and I've been on a trip and a contact will, will pop out or rip or whatever it is and I just feel completely lost until I can find something that can help me see once again. So these individuals, these men, understood, had lived their entire life in this feeling of blindness, this, this feeling of, of not being able to see. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we read, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. These men lived and walked during the time of Christ. But they never saw anything that he had done up until this point in their life. They had only been told. They had only heard. There had been no sight. We say so often, you know, if I could see Jesus perform this, or if I could see Jesus do that, it it would be so much easier to believe. And yet these men had never seen anything. But listen to what Jesus tells these men. After he asked, do you believe that I am able? They said, yes, Lord. It says, then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, it has been done to you. You see, these men must have had incredible faith. These men had faith that Christ was able to heal them from this this blindness that they experienced. But yet their faith came from what they heard. Their faith came from what they were taught. I think this is, is an amazing story because here we have two men who, yes, they live during the time of Jesus. Yes, they walked on the earth during the time of Jesus. But it wasn't sight that developed their faith. Their faith came from what they heard, from what they were taught. They developed their faith in the same way in which you and I develop our faith today. It's by hearing the Word of God, as Romans ten seventeen says. You see, we live in a society today where most or, or a lot of people want to see to believe. I, I won't believe that until I see it with my very own eyes. But we live a faith that comes from hearing the Word of God. I've heard people say, how, how can you develop a faith in, in something that you can't see? And yet these two men developed a faith strong enough to understand that Christ could heal their blindness. As wonderful and as remarkable as that story is, I want us to, to focus this morning on that question. Is he able? Is Christ able? When Jesus asked that question, do you believe that I am able? As I said earlier, I think he's looking for, or I think that question deserves more than just a simple yes and no. When we hear that question asked, I think there are some people who have a faith that's based on a just-in-case attitude. 
In other words, I believe that there's a God. I, I believe that there is a God. But I'm not really sure to what extent I believe that there's a God. Uh, you may have even heard somebody say that. You, you may have heard uh, someone make that comment of, yeah, I believe in God, but you know, I, c- I can handle some things on my own. Others may be in a situation in life in which there's difficulties, in which maybe they're uh, diagnosed with an illness. Maybe they lose a loved one. And they've never really had a relationship with God. They've never really known God. But they'll sit down and they'll pray. And you may have even heard somebody say, I'm going to pray just in case. Just in case there is a God out there, I'm going to say a prayer to him. These men, I don't feel like, had that kind of faith. I don't believe that these men were sitting at home or wherever they were one day and and they heard that Jesus was coming into the area and they said, you know what, we're going to go find this man just in case he really is able to do all those things that we've heard about. Just in case he really can make me better, I'm going to go see what happens. I, I don't know whether he can or not, but just in case he really can, I'm going to go find out what happens. Just in case. Maybe he will. Maybe this is the solution to our difficulties in life. I don't think that's the faith that these men had. I think these men had a committed faith that when they left that day, they knew that Jesus had the power to heal their blindness. They knew that Jesus had the ability to heal their blindness. The only question in their minds may have been, will he do it for us? Will he do this for me? The question they may have been asking that morning is, is he willing to do this for someone like me? You don't have to raise your hand. You you can if you want to. I, I feel like most everybody in this room would answer this by raising their hand. But has there ever been a time in your life Has there ever been a moment in your life in which you felt inadequate for the situation? Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt, you know what, there's nothing I can do here? I think most of us, if not all of us, have. Uh, Just recently, uh, most everyone knows, you know, Parker spent a couple of nights in the hospital. And uh, as they were putting that IV in his hand, it's a memory, it's an image that will never go away from me. Uh, it was kind of the first time in my life that I, I felt completely helpless and, and not able to help my, my son who's laying there obviously in pain. And I know that they're doing it for his benefit, but he doesn't understand that. And he's, he's saying, Dad, help me. Dad, help me. And, and that's a feeling of, I can't. They're the only ones that can help you. It's a feeling of, of inadequacy, of me. I, I can't do this. So often I, I get caught up in the idea of, The God that I serve is so powerful. I read about these men in Scripture. I read about Paul and the amazing things that Paul did. I read about Peter. And though Peter had faults, Peter did wonderful, wonderful works for Christ. I read about men like John. I read about men like Moses, David. All of these great men. And I ask myself, 
I'm nowhere near what those men are. Can God really use me? Can God really use me to make a difference? Have you ever felt that way about being a Christian? Have you ever wondered, I know God's powerful, but really me? There's so many people that are much better, that are much more uh, eloquent speakers, that do a much better job in the pulpit, that do a much better job uh, working with young people, that do a much better job, insert blank, whatever there. Can God really use me? If you will, open your Bibles up to the book of 1 Corinthians this morning. We're going to spend some time here in 1 Corinthians answering this question. Beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want us to begin in verse 26. It says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord." You see, God can use anyone. God is willing to use anyone. We don't have to be great. We don't have to be a wonderful speaker to teach Bible class. We don't have to be a wonderful teacher to teach Bible class. We don't have to be uh, the best singer to lead song leading. We don't have to be great and wonderful for God to use us. You see, we live in a society in which we look at at sports teams and we look at these great Fortune 500 companies and and it seems that in our minds we say, well, I would never be intelligent enough to be CEO of this company or I would never have the ability to uh, play in, in the NBA or the NFL or whatever it may be. And we associate greatness with success. You have to be great to be successful in, in so many areas in the world we live in. But God says that's not the case with being a Christian. He says being a Christian a lot of times is not going to make sense to the world because it's not going to be the greatest. It's not going to be the best. We look at men that that get in position of of CEO and, and so often you see corruption and you see these men saying, look what I have done, look where I have gotten. It's all because of me. And that corruption and that power goes to their head and, and sometimes we see them fail or we see them do something unethical or immoral and, and wind up even in, in prison at times. Uh, we see um, the Enron scandal. Uh, we've seen all these, these big businesses. You see, they boast in their power. They boast in their ability. But we as Christians, we're not great because of what we can do. It's not powerful because of what we can do. You see, when we boast, we boast because of the God that we serve. We boast because of the Christ that we serve. Am I happy that I'm a Christian? Absolutely. Am I excited? Am I looking forward to heaven? Absolutely. Do I want to tell you about it? Do I want to tell you about how excited I am one day to leave this earth and spend eternity with God? Absolutely. 
There's nothing I can do to make that happen. God has already done what's required to make that possible. Do I have responsibility? Sure, absolutely. There are things that I have to do. But heaven can be my home one day because of the God that I serve. God will take our weaknesses. God will take our struggles. And God's going to show the world His power, His strength, His majesty by taking our weakness and making something great. Making something remarkable. If you'll pause and and think for just a second, that person who first shared the gospel with you, that person who first told you about Christ, that person may be the first Bible class teacher that you remember. As I think about that, I can't help but but picture ladies like Miss Clarice Jean Arthur. I can't help but picture ladies like Miss Becky Davis. Those ladies who were, who were my Bible class teacher at such a young age. And the one thing that I remember so much about these individuals and, and so many others, I, I can remember bringing my Bible to class and, and the thing that you wanted every week was to be able to, to recite your memory verse and to get your sticker for bringing your Bible. You see, in those days I didn't understand what they were teaching me. But those ladies were teaching me that the Bible is the most important book that I need to have with me daily. And that I'll be successful in life if I memorize what God told me through His Scripture. What a wonderful lesson. I didn't learn until many, many years later. But they instilled those lessons in such a young age. We have many wonderful people, too too many to name in detail, that teach our, our young people each and every day. They're teaching them those same lessons. Read your Bible, study your Bible, know your Bible, live your Bible. We look around this room. There's no superheroes in this room. There's no people with with amazing, wonderful abilities to change the entire world in just the blink of an eye. But let me tell you what is in this room. There's a room full of people who have made the decision and have made the statement that says, you know what, by myself I'm very little. But when I put my faith in God, I can do what He wants me to do. When I put my faith in God, He's going to give me the power to possibly change somebody's life. Go back to that person that's in your mind that that first shared the gospel with you. Probably a friend, maybe a parent. Probably not somebody that in your mind would be a superhero status. But yet that person helped change your eternity. That person changed your future. God is able to use each and every person sitting in this room today. God is able to use you. Do you believe that He's able to use you? When we think about this idea of of God can use anyone, 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5 we read, So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God tells us it doesn't have to make sense to the world. It doesn't have to make sense to those outside. It's got to make sense to you. You've got to know why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Even the apostles, as they would follow Christ around and as they would watch him minister, they often didn't understand what Christ wanted them to understand. There were times that they would question Christ and they would say, Who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? We see times when the apostles were not able to do what Christ had given them the power to do because their faith was so small. We we see men like Peter who who takes that first step and, and yes, he walks on the water for just a moment, but then the world distracts him and he begins to sink. Human beings, real people like you and I, that same Peter that, that began to sink because he lost his focus. He, he forgot exactly what he was looking at. That same pre- Peter made the great confession that we make today. That same Peter went on to preach many sermons in the book of Acts. Human beings with flaws. Human beings with, that make mistakes. Human beings that are not perfect. That's who God will use. That's all God has to use. You see, if he couldn't use men and and, and women with flaws, the message would never get spread because that includes each and every one of us. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 2, verses 16 through 18, we see, for surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps, this being Jesus, helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Second question is, is he able to forgive you? Is he able to give you that promise of heaven? Is he able to give you the forgiveness of your sin? You see, when Christ came to this earth, it was not for heavenly purposes that he came to earth. He put those things to the side for a moment. And he came to minister with earthly things for earthly beings. Christ left the splendor, the beauty, the wonderfulness of heaven. And he gave that up. He put it to the side for for just a little while. To come to this earth, to face what we face, to see what we see, to walk the road that we walk, to be tempted as we're tempted, to be hung on a cross. Because he's the only one that was able to give us forgiveness of our sins. We can't forgive ourselves, we can't buy forgiveness, we can't earn forgiveness. Christ gave us forgiveness. We do have to accept it. He is able because he's been there. Because he's done that. He is also able because if we will continue to read in in chapter 3 beginning in verse 1, and we're not going to read this for the sake of time, but verses 1 through 6 show that as great as Moses was, none is greater than Christ. 
Christ is greater than Moses. As great and as wonderful as Moses was, Moses couldn't forgive us of our sins. Christ can. Christ is greater. Is Christ able to forgive you of your sins? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you see, Christ is God. Moses wasn't God. Moses was chosen by God. Moses wasn't God. Christ was God. And that's why Christ can forgive me of my sins. You see, Christ is greater. That sacrifice that that Christ gave on that cross was a perfect sacrifice. Not one made by animals, but a perfect sacrifice. That's why it's able to forgive me of my sins. Hopefully, everyone in this room would agree the first two points. Is God able to use you? Yes. Is God able to forgive you? Yes. But here's where I really want us to focus, because I think this is what separates those who really believe in God and those who don't. The third question that I want you to ask yourself this morning, if you believe that God is able to use you, To forgive you. Third question I want to ask you. Is God able to count on you? Is God able to count on you? I want you to open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 10. If you want, I'm going to give you just a moment to turn here. Because I want you to see something right here in Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, we read, He called to him his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, what does your Bible say there? Most Bibles say, who betrayed him? Does yours have that after that Judas Iscariot? Does it say, who betrayed him? Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus know that Judas was going to betray him? Yes. But he still selected him to be one of the twelve. Why would Jesus choose Judas to be one of the twelve if he knew that he was going to betray him? Why would he make that decision? Even though Jesus knew what would happen, he gave Judas the opportunity to be just like the other eleven. To be just like the other eleven who went on to do great and wonderful things for Christ. To be just like the other eleven that at times, yeah, they may have, have denied Christ like Peter did. They may have made mistakes. Judas had the same opportunity that those other eleven men had. He believed... That, God was, or that Christ was able to use him. He believed that Christ had the ability to forgive because he followed him the entire time. He believed those two questions. But what separated Judas from those other 11 men that we read about was that third question that we ask ourselves, can God count on you? 
You see, Judas believed those two things. But when it came to that third question, he couldn't say yes. He couldn't say that God could count on him, that Christ could count on him. I think personally that's the difference in Judas and the other 11 men. Can you imagine being in Jesus' shoes? And can you imagine him seeing Judas, knowing what's going to happen, and thinking what could have been? He selected Judas for a reason. I have to think, and this is pure speculation, but I have to think that at some point, Jesus looked at Judas, and in his all-knowing mind, He thought to himself, if only you knew what you could have been. Is God looking at you that way today? You believe those first two things, but you're not living a life that God wants you to live. Maybe God's looking at you that way. Saying, you know what, if you'll make a few different decisions, if you'll make a greater commitment... It would be amazing what could have been. Can God count on you? You see, the beginning of time, God's always had a plan. And that plan was that someone would deny his son, would lead him to crucifixion on the cross. Someone was always going to betray Jesus. Judas made the decision that it would be him. God didn't force Judas to make that decision. In God's plan, it was always that somebody would deny Christ that would lead him to the cross. There would be a somebody. God knew who that somebody would be. If this were a book that we were reading and didn't know the end, somebody would do it. God didn't make the decision that it would be Judas. Judas made the decision that he would be the one to fulfill what God knew was going to happen. Why does that matter? Here's why that matters. We have free will, which is a wonderful thing. But sometimes with that free will, that means that we'll make mistakes. That means that we'll do things that we know we shouldn't do. It means that we'll say things that we know that we shouldn't say. There were 12 men that Christ called to follow him. In a sense, he asked those 12 men, he said, Do you believe that I'm able? Do you believe that I have the power? Those 12 men left what they were doing. They left the life that they knew because they said yes. They believed in the power of Christ. You're here today because I truly believe that each and every person sitting in this room believes that God can use you And that God has the ability to forgive you. But the difference is made when you answer that third question. Can God count on you? You see, 11 men, we read about, we see the wonderful things that they did. We see how they truly spread the kingdom of Christ. There was one man that God couldn't count on. Judas. You see, when push come to shove and and things got tough, God couldn't count on him. Maybe in the good times it was easy for Judas. 
Maybe in the good times, Judas did exactly what God wanted him to do. But when it got difficult, it's when Judas turned his back. When you look at your life today, do you believe that God can use you? Do you believe God can forgive you? And can God count on you? You see, those first two questions, I think, are kind of pointless if we don't answer that third question and say yes. I think our life might look a lot like Judas's if we don't answer yes to that third question. It's easy to believe in the power of God, but has it caused you to change your life? Has it caused you to live your life in a way that says, you know what, God, you can count on me for anything that you need whenever you need me. Maybe this morning you're sitting there and and you know the power of God and, and you know God can forgive you, but you've never submitted to the waters of baptism. Today's the time to do that. Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, I'm living a Christian life, I'm I'm doing what I should be doing, but I could be doing more. In the world that we live in, somebody that I come in contact with every day needs to hear the gospel. And I'm just not doing a good job of that. I'm not doing a good job of, of being a Christian that I know I need to be. I can do better. You know what, God, today I'm making a commitment that you can count on me. God, today I'm telling you that I'm all in. I'm tired of being a lukewarm Christian. I'm tired of just sitting in a pew, going home, and that being the end of my Christian life. Today is the day that I'm going to say, you know what, God? You can use me. You have the power to use me, and now you can count on me. Because I'm tired of being like the rest of the world. I'm tired of doing what I think is just enough to get by. Today, I want to make the commitment to not only be a child of God, but I want to be the best child of God that I can be. God, today you can count on me. This morning, if you ask yourself, could God count on me? Your answer may have been no. But there's no reason for anybody to walk out of this building today and the answer to that question be no. All that God has given you, what will you give Him? He's given you eternity. Can we give him our lives? He's given us forever. Can we give him just a few years? Can God count on you? The answer to that question is no. Come forward right now while we stand and sing and change your answer to that question.